Welcome to The Recap, part of Pastoring Out Loud, where we recap the previous week's sermon, recap or read and catch accurate propositions in the text of Scripture. I thought that one was reasonable. And we're recapping my own sermon. Here, I'll recap it to start. I started out by saying, I think the title was, This Church Has a Warranty, uh, God's Plan for Church Growth. And what was the title you didn't go with? Uh, if he built it, will you come? Oh yeah, that's right. Which was a field of dreams cut. And someone on staff like snorted and went, you're really going to do that? And I felt insecure and <laughs> went from there and changed the title. And that's fine. My, my insecurities can be used by God. Uh, in the introduction, we talked about uh, this text is more like, like essentially like the people of God are the warranty built in that the word of God and everybody lip, everybody's lips helps maintain the church, but also grow the church. And then we did three pretty basic outline. The source of all this grace is God in verses one through six. The, uh, the servants that he appoints as gifts uh, for word ministry in verses seven through 11, which is the list of apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and shepherds or shepherds and teachers. And then the saints, which is the ministry of them, of that group of servants is meant to equip the saints for the work of ministry, the work of service in verses 12 through 16. And we concluded by surprisingly jumping to the book of revelation after a little bit of application. What? That the church at Ephesus apparently did at some point in the intervening 30 or 40 years between Paul writing the book of Ephesians and John writing to the church at Ephesus uh, that they had f- probably failed to speak truth and love and so lost their first love. And Jesus was calling them back. Mm. That's the recap. Are we done? Do you guys have <clears throat> any questions? That was good. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, what would you uh, what would you say to someone who said who would say to you, uh, what does it mean for me to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? Yeah, to have a disposition of proactive. Um, I ought do this for my joy, hmm. similar to you know other dispositions we might have where we're eager. Uh, you know, eager to be with people, eager to, you know, do different things that are attractive and enjoyable. So I think it's, uh, you know, though it's a job, it's not a job or a ministry that is um, drudgery. Right. But it's joyous and meant for our joy. And especially springing out of chapters one through three, I think it's mm-hmm. like walk in a manner worthy. Like Paul's just like, yeah, this is, it's what it means to be a Christian. So I mean, not dissimilar from what he says in Romans 12, one with the, therefore, you know, present your bodies as a living sacrifice or what he says uh, in Colossians three, one, you know, therefore set your mind on things above. Like all these things fall in natural line with all the theology built up hmm. ahead of time. Um, you talked about this in your sermon, but maybe some who weren't there or maybe you want to go a little deeper into it. Verse 9, <clears throat> descended into the lower regions, the earth, 
can also be translated the lower regions of the earth. Yep. Does this have anything to do with Jesus descending to hell? Yes. I mean, potentially, depending on how the, uh, depending on how the um, church has historically taken that genitive, I think it's a genitive, it's either genitive of referent or an explanatory genitive like uh, of the earth or namely the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think that unlike what's being talked about in like First Peter 3 where he went and preached the souls, mm-hmm. that uh, the analogy of him giving the gifts of people doesn't make sense if he descended into hell and then took those back with him. Mm-hmm. It just breaks the, it breaks the way that Paul is using the text, which seems to be like he went, he came down to earth, like in Psalm 68, mm-hmm. he took people captive, but then he took those same people and distributed them as gifts. So he's not hitting on both. Hey, he took demons captive, like in uh, Colossians two, and he took people captive. Like we always are in a victory triumph, like in mm-hmm. the beginning of Second Corinthians. But it's one way that he's using this particular analogy. Namely, he captured people, like he took Paul, you know, off the road um, to Damascus. Yep. You know, he grabbed Peter and called mm-hmm. the apostles. Their ministry, you know, grabbed a hold of Lydia and bunches of other people, you know, in the early church. And all of and various ones were then granted as gifts, and specifically in this case, gifts for the ministry of the word. So yes, the early church sometimes was like, "Hey, this is you know him descending into hell." I don't think, mm-hmm. or into uh, you know whatever the the uh, Gehenna or yep. hell's precursor in the Old Testament, as it were, Sheol. Um, but I don't I don't think that makes sense of how he's using Psalm sixty eight. I think yep. it's the ESV translation. Mm-hmm comma, the earth, or I think the older ESV is comma, namely the earth, Mm -hmm. is the right way to take this text. Yeah, it's good. If there was one thing you wanted people to remember from your sermon in two sentences, what would it be? The word of God on the lips of the people of God does the work of God that we might be happy in God. To the glory of God. That too. Sure. Yeah. Christian <laughs> Hebrews. I, I accept your, your friendly, friendly amendment. Yeah, friendly amendment. Friendly Second. Amendment. So motioned. Here we are, a bunch of elders sitting around a table. Not quite enough to make a yeah, official we motion. Have, we don't have a quorum though. We don't have a half of us present. Present do that. Yeah. I have one more question. Shoot. <clears throat> do we have time? I don't see why not. Okay. So in, in verse, uh, what was it? Verse three, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Yep. And then in verse 13, it says, until we all attain the unity of the faith. Yeah. So what does it mean to attain? And until it, I mean, it implies that until we attain the unity of the faith, it's something we need to keep working on. Yep. So what does that, what does that mean? And yeah, I take verse, I take verse, uh, uh, three to be an ecclesiological reality that's mm-hmm. also has eschatological things. So like the church like should realize what God has done in this age, like in chapter two and chapter three to mash the church together. Yep. We're united um, to one and another. To, and to unite us in Christ. And then I think mm-hmm. it's a full, um, I, I think verse 13, I didn't go here, but I think verse 13 is an eschatological reality. 
I think there's echoes here of the last five verses of first Corinthians 13, that the mature manhood, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ um, has in mind the parousia, the, the coming of Christ, but with foretastes of that mm-hmm. until then. So that there is a sense in which we can be mature now and not knocked around, but that's not like a, I've arrived and now I stop pursuing this. Mm-hmm. That's a, that, that final moment will not come until Christ comes. And yeah. yet we can get to the spot where we're no longer children and knocked around everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can get to the spot where we're uh, mature enough that we're going to recognize false doctrine, but also keep our love that we had at first. And yet we don't then stagnate and wait. We keep pressing on. It's, it's Paul in Philippians three, not that I've already attained, or is it the end of two? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I've already attained, but I continue to press on towards the prize of the high calling of God in Christ three. Jesus. Yeah. Like that's uh, his personal ambition. I think he's like, he not only there in uh, Philippians, like it's modeling that for the Philippians as something for them to emulate as a whole church. I think that's also the kind of idea here to the Ephesian church is like, hey, You've not arrived yet. Keep pressing on. And yet you can get to a spot where it's like you're genuinely being mature. Mm-hmm. I think what I said in the sermon was something like, you know, uh, can can we do this perfectly? No, we cannot. But there can be a direction or a sense in our life where the spirit is supplying power. And we are swimming instead of getting knocked around on floaties. Mm-hmm. Good. Anything else? You good? Dave is back in the pulpit. Are you doing all of four? Is it 17 through 32 that you're doing? Mm-hmm. How many more sermons do we have in Infusions? Like six, five? I think five more. Five more? Five okay. more. Yeah, we're into the owner's manual of uh, Ephesians now. So unpacking some, uh, some yeah. of the how-to, which is uh, exciting in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. A lot of big, big texts that we go back to, the armor of God. Um, you know, in chapter six, the household code being filled with the spirit in chapter five. And of course the walking in truth, speaking truth, not abiding in darkness in chapter four. It's so great. It's a good book. It is. It is. Yeah. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks for preaching. Joy. Joy.